Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's an honor to have you joining us as we enter into our last week of your not far. Listen, if you're a guest with us, it's such an honor. We would love to connect with you. You can text in, you can use the digital platform and connect with us however we can connect with you and help you get connected. We would love to do that. You can also join us in person on Sunday evenings at four o'clock. We'd love to meet you personally, safe, social distanced, and so awesome as we gather for nights of worship and prayer. Now, hey, before we get into today's content, I want to celebrate. We uh, have been doing this campaign called Food for Families across multiple organizations and churches in Boulder, and I just want to celebrate your radical generosity. It's not over yet, but up to this point, we have over 50 families that we are providing meals for over the holiday season, so thank you so much. Give yourselves a hand, no matter where you're tuning in. Man, it's amazing to be a part of a church that makes such a simple difference, so thank you guys so, so much. Now, again, we've been in this series called You're Not Far, and I want you to think about it. Think back to your past of just different moments and different scenarios, right? There's things that uh, you get embarrassed by. There's things that, you, you know, uh, in the moment they were pretty uh, um, unintentional and you wish you could maybe redo them. But maybe, you know, some of those things in the past that were embarrassing in the moment you can look back on and just laugh about and tell the stories, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, for me, uh, when I was in high school, uh, one of the stories that was just absolutely horrifying to me at the moment was uh, I was in high school and I, my dad and I had just built uh, uh, my truck and we had taken off the rear bumper and welded on a, a roll pan, um, and painted it. I mean, it was beautiful. And it was amazing. And, and it was welded on, which is a really big deal because uh, that means you can't have any accidents. And um, I was in a hurry. I might have been upset or whatever. So I was leaving school quickly, jumped in my truck, threw it in reverse, looked in my rear views, couldn't see anything, stomped on the gas and plowed over something very loud and crunchy. Got out of my truck in horrified nature to look back and I had run over the drum major's like little portable stand that they used to, you know, do the thing. And it was like all crumpled up underneath my truck. And so then I had to like pull forward and it went, you know, did all the things. And, and, it, and it ironically dented, the only place that it dented, guess this, is the exact spot where the weld was, which is where you can't pull it out. Oh, it was horrifying. It was a moment that now is kind of funny. A little bit hurts on the inside. Or another one, when I was in like elementary school, maybe you did this, maybe you didn't. You know, you'd have those little like uh, Valentine's Day boxes that you would do for each other. Well, I took some advice from a country song when I was like in the second, second grade. And there was this girl that I had a crush on in my class. And I took her Valentine and I wrote on it, do you like me? Check yes or no. And I stuck it in her box. And then she got it, and then she handed it back to me, and she checked no. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, right? In that moment, that probably still scars me a little bit, but we have these things in the past that maybe they're embarrassing or they're hurtful in the moment, but you, know, you can look back and you, you can laugh about it, but there's also these, these things in our lives that we wish we could unlive or, or redo. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like things that we don't even want to talk about, these, these things, uh, maybe they're decisions that we made 
uh, our relationships that we were engaged in, things that, man, we, we, we wish we could just forget about altogether, or, or, man, we just, no one even knows about them. We keep them on the inside. Listen, I don't know if you have a lot of that stuff or a little bit of that stuff. If you're like me, you got plenty to go around, but we all have some stuff. Are you with me? So, so there's this guy named Peter that we've been looking at uh, over the last couple of weeks. He was one of Jesus' closest followers and friends, um, and he's got some stuff, okay? And today, he, he's going to really show us a moment that he really wishes he could unlive or redo. Um, and it's probably not something he was proud to talk about, but here's the good news is that for Peter, the reason he shares it is because on the other side, he discovered that there's a safe place that you and I can take all of our stuff, all of that shameful stuff, all of that painful stuff, all the stuff that we really don't want anybody to know about. There's a safe place for you and I to take it, and Peter's going to take us there today. And, and the good news is this, and this is what Peter wants us to understand, is that the past may sometimes re remind us but it never has to define us, define us based on what we're going to hear about and what Jesus came to do. Now, we've been looking at the life of Jesus, and he's had this like theme over and over again. And that theme was this good news that Jesus would talk about over and over again. Peter's told us about it and told us about it. The good news that Jesus continually talked about. And I don't know what you've grown up in, like what you've been exposed to in church, what you think the good news is, what you think church is about, what you think God is about. Maybe you've been around Jesus for a long time. Maybe you love Jesus. You're following Jesus. Maybe you're skeptical of Jesus. Maybe you've been hurt by the church or you're just skeptical in general of all things concerning faith. Well, here's the deal. I don't know what you've heard, but this good news was not, hey, I'm Jesus and I came to die so that you could go to heaven one day, okay? That was not the message of Jesus. For Jesus, it was I have come so that you can know what God is like. Over and over again, Jesus would have this conversation that I, I'm here so you can understand what God is like, that he's like a father. He's like your heavenly father. And then maybe this is the part that's hardest to swallow. It was hard for Peter. It's, it's hard for you and I at times, depending on where you are, that then Jesus would make the statement that he was God. Not, not just that he came to show us what God was like, but he would say stuff like, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. In other words, Jesus would say it like this. If, if you want to know what God is like, keep your eyes on me. Because I didn't come so you can go to heaven when you die. I came to reveal God to you. I came to reveal the disconnect to you. I came to help you understand who God is and what it means to have a relationship with him and how to get there. This was the good news over and over again that Jesus was talking about that Peter remembers vividly. And now we're going to backtrack. Okay, last week we were having the conversation, and, and we saw Jesus get arrested in the middle of the night, and some, some guys show up with torches and, and pitchforks and everything, and, and uh, all of his buddies, they desert him, right, including Peter. I mean, everybody just bails on Jesus. They roll out, and what's about to happen, what we're about to look at is all the events kind of between the arrest of Jesus and his crucifixion, okay? And, and this is really important because we're going to have a lot of details from Peter like, you got to ask this question. I don't know if you think to ask this, but let me help you. How does Peter, who's telling the story of Jesus, by the way, as we're doing this, really uh, press in with me that, that we're not, don't, don't hear the Bible when we're having this conversation, okay? Because Peter wasn't sitting down with Mark to write the Bible. They were, they were just recording the firsthand experiences, the eyewitness account, the historical data of the life of Jesus as Peter walked with him. But you've got to ask the question, what we're about to look at are some events that Peter wasn't there for. 
right? He, he, he bailed like everybody else. And so how does Peter know all the details about what we're about to read? This is so amazing and so very, very helpful that what we're going to find is that some of the very people that are in the stories that we're about to read, some of the very people that are in the process of helping Jesus become crucified, that are adamant about be, uh, seeing Jesus crucified, those same people are going to become adamant Jesus followers a few days after these events. It's amazing. And so where Peter gets this data is from the guys who were there during these conversations, and now they're actually following Jesus. It's so amazing. You might ask the question, well, what, what made them become Jesus followers if they were so like, adamant about, about seeing Jesus crucified? Stick around to the end, and you're going to find out, okay? So we're going to pick it up in, in Mark 14, and uh, this is really helpful. They're, they're trying Jesus. they got all these different uh, um, accounts against him, but none of them are lining up. They're all false accusations, and so they, they can't figure out how to... How to get rid of Jesus, okay? And so finally, they just ask him straight up. One, one of the guys says, hey, are, are you the Christ? Are, are you the son of the blessed? Are, are, are you the son of God? And then Jesus utters these words. He says, I am. And these two words are the words that condemn him to death. These two words will take him all the way to the cross. Now, here's what I need you to understand is as this is happening, Peter is not far from the scenario. He's outside the camp hanging out with a bunch of people, and, and someone recognizes him, and they say, hey, you, you're one of the guys that was hanging out with Jesus, and Peter says, ah, no, no way. He denies it. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then again, they're like, no, 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 we, 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 you have an accent. We, we recognize that you're, you're from that region that Jesus was hanging out in. Jesus, uh, Peter's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And they keep pushing and keep pushing, and then Peter's like, listen, I, I don't know the guy that you're talking I, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And in that moment, the rooster crowed, and Peter remembers the words of Jesus from the night before, that Peter was going to deny him three times, and these events would follow. And it cripples Peter. This rough and tough fisherman immediately breaks down, and he weeps. Other translations tell us that he weeps bitterly. And in this moment, guys, you have to understand this is so, so heavy for Peter. Mark is writing it down. Peter's telling the story. And I think Mark would pause and say, Peter, are, are you sure you want to share this? That, I mean, it doesn't exactly make you the hero of the story. I mean, you denied Jesus. You bailed on him. You denied you ever even knew him. And then, and then, and then you wept. Rough and tough fisherman guy. You're over here crying in a corner. And Peter said, listen, this is one of those moments that I wish I could unlive, that I, I, I wish I could redo because of what, transpired after, but guys, they need to know. Mark, they, they got to know this, that, that although I wish I could unlive it, although I wish I, I, I could redo it, I was also met with incredible mercy and incredible grace that Jesus would still go to the cross for me after these moments. And as we look at Jesus, the same mercy, the same grace that we see in Jesus, his point is this, that's the same mercy and the same grace that we have the opportunity to experience from God. And the events transpire and they, and they move forward and it culminates in this very simple line that they crucified Jesus. And no other details are given because no other details are necessary. Everyone who, who would read these words in that time frame would absolutely understand the weight of these words. That this is something so unthinkable, so 
unimaginable, so horrifying that if you and I were to be present in this reality, it would be so horrible that we would have to, we'd have to turn our faces because we couldn't stand it. And in this moment, God is doing for me and God is doing for you and God is doing for Peter the unimaginable, the unthinkable. But it doesn't stop there. Because as they're crucifying him, they begin to mock him. Some of the chief priests, some of the leaders of the religious tribes there, they start to mock him and they say, man, he, he saved others. Well, but he can't save himself. Some big shot this guy was. But man, what they didn't understand and what Peter has the hindsight to understand now is this reality. That Jesus' desire to save others, guys, don't miss it, is the exact reason why he didn't save himself. And in fact, listen, if Jesus had saved himself, he would have been unable to save others. He would have been unable to save me. He would have been unable to save you. But this is the love of God on demonstration for you and me. But it doesn't stop there. They continue to mock him. They continue to rile. And they say, man, this, this Christ, the, the king of Israel, here he is, big shot, Come down now from the cross that we can see and believe who you are. You hear how, I mean, they're just taunting and just, man, throwing a little mini party of how they're victorious over this, this wannabe king. And then as, as Peter shares these words, he's like, man, but what none of us realized was that in two days, we were all going to see. We were all going to believe. And then what happens next? We see Jesus cry out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Peter knows the answer to this question. And he writes about it later in one of his letters in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, The reason that God had forsaken the Son is because he himself, that is Jesus, he bore our sins, he carried our sins our stuff in his body on that tree, on that cross, that we might die to sin, that we could get rid of that stuff and live to righteousness. That is to be made right with God and to live accordingly. This is so amazing, guys. What Peter's trying to communicate is that the Father withdrew from the Son so that the Father could draw near to us. Isn't that amazing? The Father would withdraw from the Son so that he could draw near to me and draw near to you. And right after that, Jesus cries out and breathes his last breath. And in that moment, simultaneously, Peter said, we, we didn't know it in the moment, but we found out not, not far after, that the curtain of the temple, this curtain that represented the divide between God and man, that represented the religious system that kept people from God, that represented this, this break between relationship with God, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
And this was so powerful because this was symbolic that the old was done. That whole new thing that Jesus was talking about, this good news, this something new that was coming, it was here. There is no longer separation between God and man. The covenant that Jesus talked about between two parties, God and everybody else, that he would, that he would seal with his body and his blood being broken and poured out. It was finished. It was done. It had been ratified. And this was amazing good news that Peter wants us to know. Everyone is invited. Everyone is invited into relationship with God. There's nothing in the way. And he says what's so amazing about it is no one deserves it. That Jesus paid it all for us and all of our stuff gets taken with it. And we don't have to do anything to earn it. He says this is such good news. And I didn't learn this from the Bible, and I didn't learn it growing up as a little Jewish boy. Peter would say, I saw it with my eyes. But what you need to understand is that in this moment, there were no Jesus followers. Peter has hindsight as he tells the story, and it's absolutely good news for him and for us. But in this moment, everyone is horrified. In this moment, everyone is so confused and so broken. There are no Jesus followers. There is no church. There is no Christianity. It's over. It's done with. And in two days, they're not standing outside the tomb, counting down from 10, waiting for Jesus to pop out, saying, oh, we knew he was coming. They show up with burial spices and flowers to, to anoint Jesus' body, and his body's gone, and they think someone has stolen the body. They weren't anticipating a resurrection. They have a day full of confusion and doubt. And then... They see Jesus alive. And it changes everything. And what Peter wants you and I to know is what he spent the next 30 years of his life telling anyone who would listen about. And it's that, it's that Jesus rose from the dead. And his confidence wasn't in a Bible or what someone said, it's, his confidence was in what his eyes had seen. And guys, it's not, it's not just that Peter saw it, but many of the people, like I told you earlier, that were adamant about crucifying him became adamant followers. Right? And it wasn't just Peter and the guys that saw Jesus. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses, and there's all this historical data pointing back to the reality of these events. And then not only that, but then James, the brother of Jesus, who did not believe that Jesus was God, becomes a follower of Jesus, would call Jesus his Lord, and becomes a leader in the early church. Because two days later, everything changed. Everyone thought that Jesus would do what all dead people do. And that was that he would stay dead. But he didn't. And that, friends, is the good news. And it's not just good news out there, and it's not just good news for, for some people. It's good news for all 
people. It's good news for me. It's good news for you. And that you might be at this point and in this moment, as you're wrestling with this reality, you're thinking through it, and you might be asking the question, well, how, how do I know if I've responded to that good news? How, how do I know like, what it means to have a relationship with God? How do I know that what Jesus did for me, like, like uh, it's for me? How, how do I know if I, if I have it? How do I, how do I embrace this good news that, that Jesus consistently talked about? Let me, let me help you. I mean, just base level, bottom shelf, as simple as you and I can possibly imagine. Let me help you. I have a prayer here that is, I, I put on the screen, and it's so simple. I'm, I'm going to read it for you for a second, okay? And this is, these aren't magic words. This is that, that faith conversation over and over again that, that I believe that he is who he said he is, and that he can do for me what he said he would do. It's not an I hope so hope. It's in a confidence in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus the death of Jesus on my behalf. And you and I can pray something like this, God, like Peter, I believe Jesus bore my sins, my stuff, on his body on the cross. And maybe you got a little bit of stuff, maybe you got a lot of bit of stuff. It doesn't matter. Jesus will take it all. I place my faith in him, my trust in him, my confidence in him as my savior and my lord thank you for forgiving me of my sin in jesus name amen and maybe for you for the first time maybe you've never prayed a prayer like this maybe you've had some thoughts around your faith and maybe you you're just not sure if you ever landed and made a solid decision to follow jesus and ask to be forgiven and to be made right with god and to be given new life maybe you've never taken that step sometimes you might be invited to like pray something like this in your in your mind and and, and just do it on internally but man no matter where you're tuning in if you're on the couch when you're uh, with others you're by yourself sometimes it's good for us to hear ourselves say the truth out loud. And so I want to invite you, listen, if you've never prayed this prayer, would you do it out loud with me right now? God, like Peter, I believe Jesus bore my sins on his body on the cross. I place my faith in him as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin in Jesus' name. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe the second time, maybe the third time, if you prayed that prayer and, and it's clicking for you for the first time, we want to know, we want to help you take some next steps. And so you can text the word follow to the number on your screen. We would love to help you take some next steps in your relationship with God. And let me say this, if you prayed this prayer for the first time, welcome to the family of God. You've always been invited. And now you're home. Now I want to give you a couple of application questions just as we close out our time, just to think through some of this. Again, maybe for you today, it's just the opportunity to face and embrace this good news. Maybe you want to chew on it some more. Maybe you, you're wrestling with it and figuring out where you land in faith, but maybe you're ready to turn in the direction of Jesus. Embrace that good news. Ask him to save you and receive new life. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you this question. Who and how will you love this week as you have been loved?
We just looked at the incredible love of God through the story of Jesus and what that means for me and what that means for you. And the invitation from Jesus is not just to receive it, but once we receive it, we extend it. And not just with our words, but with our actions. And not just with our actions, but with our words. So who and how will you love as you've been loved? And lastly, the holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving is around the corner. And we can't or we, we, we maybe even shouldn't gather in large groups for Thanksgiving. Because this is online, I have to say this out loud. Right? I can't encourage you to get into huge groups and throw a raging party for Thanksgiving. But maybe in light of the scenario, maybe in light of circumstances, you can't throw a big party, but there's one person a neighbor, a friend, a coworker who could use some encouragement, who could use some love, who could use some community. And maybe this is your moment to love like you've been loved. That you'd invest in someone else during the holiday season. You can't invite everyone. You maybe shouldn't invite everyone. But you can invite someone. And maybe it's an opportunity for you and I to meet someone where they are and help them take one step closer to the love of God. Lastly, as we uh, close out, I want to let you know next week we start this series called Chasing Carrots, and it's so appropriate for the holiday season. And it's really just for me to get some stuff off my chest, but I hope you'll sit in it with me and we'll learn together. So stick around for the next couple of seconds and watch this video. See you guys next week.